This is the All Into Clemson Football Podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of the Clemson Tigers. What's up, everybody? Briley here. Carter is here with me as well. And thank you for joining us for this ACC championship game recap. It wasn't really a Champions. game. Yes. Let's just leave it at championship because we didn't really play a game. We didn't have to play a game. We just walked away with a trophy after a couple of hours. So that was a fun win by Clemson, don't you think? Oh, it was so satisfying to see that, that game happen and just to see the score. Unfortunately, I was a little disappointed that they did give up that touchdown at the end of the game, but still happy nonetheless. I think they could have put up a few more points as well, but you were very too, happy yes. because you chickened out during the preview episode <laughs> and your prediction was weak sauce, I think we could say. So in your heart of hearts, how did you feel like the game was actually going to go? I honestly thought Clemson was going to just destroy Notre Dame because I thought the game against the game earlier in the season, I did not think that Notre Dame's win against Clemson was that great because I like to say Clemson was at half strength that game. I think I'm pretty confident and I can say that. So now that Clemson was at full strength, here we are. <laughs> Likely That's all story. I've got to say about it. Yeah, I, you know, I thought the same thing too. They were definitely going to crush Notre Dame. As a, you know, <laughs> my prediction didn't mean anything. So yeah, I also predicted Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati go undefeated this year. So what can I say? Yeah. Genius. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the tapes for that. <laughs> but hey, listen, we walked away with a good win. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to discuss the pivotal plays and top takeaways from this win, and then usually we would talk about our. Uh, Tiger Kings and Carol Baskins and do Carter's Coach's Corner, but screw it. We're just going to play some Clemson and Clemson out as an excuse to talk about the college football playoff committee, uh, the Ohio State matchup that's coming up here, and some other fun things as well. So a little different episode for you today. And speaking of different, you you remember Bama Dan? You remember that? Oh, how could we? how could you not remember Bama Dan? Our he favorite randomly popped up on our radar, left us a voice message, and we didn't hear from him for, I don't know, it's been like a month now until this week. So let's go ahead and listen to what Bama Dan has to tell us today. Hello again, Clemson Pod. This is Bama Dan. Let's talk about how the Alabama Crimson Tide college football sports team forced the pathetic playoff committee to give us the number one seed. There is no other team in the country anywhere near deserving to be even anywhere close to being in the playoff. Thus, the pansy-ass sports committee was forced to choose three subpar teams. Of course, this is all just a formality to coronate Bama and give us our 60th national title. Overrated and underperforming Clemson couldn't even beat lame Notre Dame without Goldilocks' Trevor Lawrence. And then there's Ohio State. This team only played three games. You don't send someone to the playoff with only three games. What a joke. Notre Dame, they couldn't even beat Clemson. My only conclusion is that the voting was rigged by the anti-Bama and anti-SEC and anti-Nick Saban deep state. Roll Tide, mother. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I missed that. Welcome back, Bama Dan, and your conspiracy theory self. 
yes. And he, was it just me or he seemed to be, he like definitely wrote that down. That was a script for sure. Yeah. Also, he, he struggled with that one. I'm questioning whether Bama Dan knows anything about college football as well. Just, it, just the phrase he's using. Yeah, it's tough to tell. The, the, the unfortunate and crazy part is I sort of agree with half of what he was saying anyways, uh, especially the Ohio State part. Uh, but overall, <laughs> valiant effort, Bama Dan. Your first, your first yes. effort was better, though. So we, we're going to expect better. And I'm assuming we're going to hear from him more uh, because at the way that things are trending, Alabama and Clemson are going to meet in the national championship game yet again. So we'll see. But, oh, man. The crazies come out during this time of year. They sure do. All right. <laughs> we're here too. <laughs> yes, we're here as well. We definitely <laughs> fall in that category. <laughs> so, all right. So we'll get to our, t- our pivotal plays and top takeaways. But first, just as a quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Fanatics. Listen, Clemson is still on a multiple game winning streak while I've had my Fanatics, my lucky Fanatics gear. And it's never going to end because I still have that lucky lucky fanatics gear. Uh, And for all of you out there, uh, if you need some Clemson gear, especially for a special tiger in your life during this holiday season, go ahead and click the link in the app, the podcast app that you're listening to this uh, episode in or on the website, wherever you're listening to this, you can go to the episode notes and click the link to find a great fanatic sale going on right now. And uh, like I said, they have lucky gear. I bought gear before the last Notre Dame game from a different place. They lost. Unlucky gear. I bought, I've got, or, uh, excuse me, I went and got some more Clemson gear from Fanatics afterwards, and they haven't lost a game since. So you're welcome, Clemson. You're welcome, everybody else. Do your part and buy some uh, gear from Fanatics, specifically through that link. Please, that's very important to us. Please do that. So anyway, let's go ahead and move on to our pivotal plays and top takeaways. All right, as we said at the top, this was Clemson's best game of the season, I would say. And not like it was a Georgia Tech type of game where you're like, okay, we put up 70 points and we shut them down. Like that was a pretty good game as well, but this is a much higher quality opponent. At least I think so. I don't think you think so, uh, but that's <laughs> another story. Notre Dame's a good team, just not as good <laughs> as what people thought. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're softening already on these things, but... Yeah, I mean, if Notre Dame beats Alabama, then they'll be a good team. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I see what you're saying. But Clemson came out. They dominated, uh, I would say, from the second quarter on because I think Notre Dame actually played them pretty well in the first quarter. And if Notre Dame had done some, if they had finished some drives in the first quarter, this game would have been very different, I think. And so let's go ahead and talk about some of the biggest plays and our top takeaways from those plays. To me, the, you know, there's a lot of d- these different plays that we could pull out. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a weird interception. Amari Rogers had a great touchdown reception. Uh, but to me, probably one of the biggest plays was when Ian Book missed a wide-open receiver on fourth down, and Clemson was up 7-3 to three at this point. There were 12 minutes left in the second quarter. And the reason I say this was because Notre Dame was able to move the ball against Clemson in the first quarter. They uh, hit a long field goal. They missed a, a short field goal. And then they were moving the ball again. And Ian Book just missed his wide receiver um, who was running wide open at that point. You know, the You'll defender had slipped. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you love to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You love to see it. <laughs> and Notre Dame really just never recovered after that. 
you know, they scored a touchdown later in the game after I had stopped watching. Just to be honest with you, I didn't pay attention the whole fourth quarter. I was totally tuned out at that point, uh, celebrating, obviously. But that to me, that was the biggest, that was probably one of the biggest plays uh, early on. Because like I said, Notre Dame just never really recovered after that. And if they had finished even one of those drives, I think this game would have been very different because once you go three drives and you only pull out one, you know, three points, one field goal, it's really deflating at that point. And they just never recovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could say it honestly felt like, I don't know if this is the best way to put it, but like, it felt like Clemson was just kind of playing with Notre Dame a little bit like, hey, here's these opportunities. See if like take advantage of them, see what happens, and they didn't. And Clemson's like, "All right, there was your chance. We'll just show you how it, <laughs> how to actually play now." Yeah, that's obviously not how it happened because Notre Dame, like, they had good possessions that they moved the ball very well. And I was getting a little nervous. I was like, Clemson couldn't stop anything in the first quarter. Uh, but then after that, it was just like Clemson's like, "All right, let's just let's just start playing now." And here we are. <laughs> and we see it time and time again when an underdog doesn't. Has a has an opportunity to take advantage early and doesn't it? You know that was the game really, and you can say that for a lot of t- a lot of teams where if you just don't, you have to finish on those opportunities, and if you don't, you're just not going to get more of those opportunities. And Notre yeah. Dame didn't. And I think this was made very clear that Notre Dame was an underdog going into that game. Like I don't care what anyone was saying, like Notre Dame is full-on an underdog when playing against Clemson at full strength. But the favor to beat Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. No, no, I'm (laughs) I'm obviously kidding. Bama Dan, don't come after me for that. I was just kidding. Okay, so that was the first... We got to send him a voicemail if Notre Dame beats Alabama, that's for sure. Oh, we will... We'll do way more than that. This whole... As a listener, feel free to send in... uh, (laughs) Send in a recording for us and we'll, we'll send that towards Bama Dan if Notre Dame wins. All right. We will do that. Please do that because we'll just make fun of them. But if any of our listeners, I mean, we all like making fun of Alabama people. So let's go ahead and do that. Okay. So that Ian Books missed a uh, miss on the, to that open wide receiver was the first play. I tell you what, the next play for me was the EJ Williams 33 yard touchdown reception that blew the game open. And uh, first of all, it's important because leading up to that point, Trevor Lawrence actually kept the drive alive with a couple of rushing plays. And we all know how I feel about Trevor Lawrence running the ball in general. In the regular season, I'm totally against it. But now that it's playoff time, go for it, baby. Let's do it. And it made a difference. He had 90 rushing yards in this game. And really, in general, this whole team, this game was like a, a total flip of what happened last uh, again, you know, when uh, these teams matched up for the first time, because this is crazy, actually. Uh, Clemson had 175 more rushing yards than Notre Dame get. Notre Dame did in this game. That's a yeah. lot. But in the first game, Notre Dame had 174 more rushing yards than Clemson did. Huh. So I, I calculated that. I thought that was kind of funny. I was hoping it would be like the exact yardage, but not quite. Maybe I could find another. I'll rewatch the game and try to find another yard in there or something. But um, no, I mean... Clemson showed up and they were able to rush the ball this time, which uh, I'll, I'll eat some humble pie here because I've been saying for a while that they should just abandon it, you know, and, and let it go. But they finished with over 200 uh, rushing yards. ETN finally got over 100 rushing yards. And like I said, Trevor Lawrence had 90 yards as well. And so 
you know, they prove that against a very good defensive line, they can at least rush the ball and get some push as well. And then um, as well, I, you know, I guess we can go ahead and talk about it now. We shut down Notre Dame's rushing game and the defensive line showed up. So really in the trenches, that's that was one of the keys to the game. That was one of the questions that we had about this team. And they answered the bell and they came out and they proved that, I, at least in my mind, they have a championship level defensive line and at least a manageable offensive line that allows them to compete with some of these better teams like Ohio State or, well, excuse me, just Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think we could do without some of that to beat Ohio State and Notre Dame. But I think that it all opened up, especially on offense, with, as you mentioned, the Trevor Lawrence being able to run the ball. Like, that just, I don't understand totally how that opens up the offense so much to where there's a threat from Trevor Lawrence running the ball. It's like, the RPO it just, game. Like it completely changes the game to where Clemson is a whole nother offense than at the when they are able to run with Trevor Lawrence with business decisions throughout the season. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't disagree with at all. And speaking of that, we do have breaking news here of Clemson news because the New York Jets just won their first game of the season. Oh. So depending on where you want Trevor Lawrence to go, uh now the Jags are tied with New York. Just, and just I think I, I read somewhere that the Jaguars would actually have uh, the tiebreaker there for the better yeah. for, them, for the Jaguars. So I guess I'd be more okay if you went to the Jags personally. But obviously we're we are recording this on Sunday. It's currently seven twenty p.m. So that's what's happening here. Uh, back to this game though. I mentioned that <laughs> I, don't, I got off on that rushing tangent. The big play was actually the EJ Williams reception. And the reason this is a big play is because welcome to the party, EJ. He showed so up. It was in great this to game. see him play his third game of the season. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, and seriously, it is. I mean, we needed that outside threat, and he showed up four receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. I like the sound of that. And that one handed grab in the game. Oh, baby. Mm. I, that's, that's what right. I like to see. He's he's peaking right at the right time. And that was, oh, man, I just love this. To me, this is like the Clemson Death Star, as people have talked about. It's like everyone is sort of peaking at the right time, and they're showing up right at the right moment when it matters most. And that this is the perfect illustration of hopefully he won't, you know, mess this up and next game go away or he's hurt or something like that. I don't know. But at least in this game, EJ Williams, welcome to the party. Thanks for being here. Okay, so that was the second big play. Another big play to me was uh, two plays, actually. It was the back-to-back sacks on Ian Book. Clemson was up. This was the drive right after that. About seven minutes left of the game. Clemson was up 14-3. And it really the first sack was a textbook, beautiful example of how a well-coached, well-schemed defensive line can contain a creative screamling quarterback by like Ian Book. It was great to see that and uh, KJ Henry got the the sack on this, but several players on the defensive line uh, were rushing upfield, but then they cut back to close the scrambling lanes on Ian Book. And they were obviously, you know, we'd been hearing about it leading up to this game that making sure that Ian Book wasn't able to be as creative and scramble and get those yards. And that was the, it was just the perfect illustration. It was textbook, the way that they shut him down, got the sack. And then on the, the uh, next play, it was a coverage sack and they got, you know, two straight sacks on Ian book and the pressure that they had on him for the rest of the game. 
again, that was super encouraging because that was something we didn't see in that first game against one of the best offensive lines in the country. Now, I know Notre Dame is sort of banged up and they were in this game, but still, you gotta, you'd love to see it. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. an encouraging sign, absolutely. And to me, those were two huge plays that showed that, okay, this defensive line is back and they're so well coached. They're so well coached. I mean, I've just, I, honestly, I've never seen a better example of teams or defensive linemen being so disciplined to not, they're rushing the quarterback, but they're also more so making sure that he doesn't get out of the pocket because other players instead had the insi- the assignment of trying to sack Ian Book at that point. It was it was just beautiful. It was textbook. Yeah, and that that's what the difference between the first meeting between these two teams was. Like first meeting Ian Book had plenty of time to make the passes, but this game he, he was running for his life on a decent amount of plays. Like like hiked the ball in Ian Book, you just could kind of see it in his head. He's like, I'm gonna have to make a play here on my own. Like and he's just, I remember that I remember one scramble where he was on one side of the field and he literally scrambled to the opposite side he of the field. He ran like 50 yards. For one yard. I was like, yeah. this dude is literally out there on his own. I felt kind of bad for him on that play. But it was great to see our D-line and our secondary definitely stepped up because there were a decent amount of coverage sacks and it was it was great to see the defense come out and play that way. Yes, that's a that's a huge point because that was going to be my next point because the the secondary, everyone was pointing out at certain points in that game, like, okay, well, Ian Book's holding the ball for a while because no one is open. No one's open. And that's obviously credit to the secondary. Complimentary, complimentary, or rary. Yeah? <laughs> Sound like me. Yeah, I'm struggling with that. Yeah, there we go. We'll go with that. Hey, uh, defense. And so, I mean, the secondary defensive line working well together. Having Skalski and Tyler Davis back. Huge deal. Oh, Huge deal. I love James Kowski. Man. Oh, he was getting uh he was getting in their faces. And it was, was like, like Cornell can, Powell was getting in everybody, everybody on I the team like, all of a sudden. Can I can we bring up I texted you during the game because the announcers were they didn't seem too pleased with the way Clemson they were like, This is very uncharacteristic of Clemson with their trash talk. You have a beef was, against Kirk Herbstreet this weekend. I, I do for some reason. Like I honestly watching the game didn't feel like they were really going at Notre Dame, but when they brought it up, I was like, what, what are you, t- shut up. Like, this is like, it was great to see, like, they're like, no, Clemson doesn't normally do this. It was like, well, who cares? Like, this is Clemson now. Like, I don't see anything dirty. Like, come on. Welcome to the it's edgy trash star talking. Clemson. Okay. We're going to yeah, come in all there started. swaggering all around and crush everybody in our path. And that's James Skowski. Tell you what, he brings the heat. Whew, I love that guy. Oh, I'm, we're going to miss him for sure. And yes, I love him as well. We love you, James. <laughs> okay, the last, well, a couple more plays here. We don't have to spend any time on this, but Trevor Lawrence's uh, 34-yard touchdown run to make it 31-3. to uh, That was a dagger and, again, just illustrated how important it is to get Trevor Lawrence running on the ground. And if I had a dollar for every time the announcers mentioned that he looks like a giraffe running down the field, then we'd all be rich, man. Come <laughs> up with so a better. Because yeah. have you seen giraffe run? They look so clumsy. Like, Trevor <laughs> Lawrence is very athletic, and he is a quality runner. That's right. And, and honestly, that run reminded me a little bit of the run against Ohio State in the playoff last year. Yeah, I was they about just, to say that. Yeah, it wasn't as important as last year because the game changed against Ohio State when he made that run, but. We didn't really need it this game, but it was good to see. <laughs> it was nice to see. We'll take it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, the final play, I think we have to point out that Nolan Turner, 
uh, had a targeting Oof. call against him and is going to miss the first half against Ohio State. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Don't like to see that whatsoever. And it's just unfortunate. Um, it was targeting. And as much as we may not like the rule, we're on a little back, a little uh, move the curtains back a little bit. We spent an hour talking before this podcast about really the college football playoff and all these different things and all the the laundry list of grievances that Carter mostly has against the NCAA yes. and everyone. <laughs> so sometime this summer, we're going to write all those down and we're going to address them all and fix college football and the NCAA. But today, we'll just say that Nolan Turner is going to miss the first half against Ohio State, and that's unfortunate. That's going to be a big loss for the Tigers against Ohio State, unless Justin Fields plays like he did against Northwestern. <laughs> very, very good point, yes. But... I had to chuckle when they showed the replay of the Nolan Turner hit. Did you see? They like pointed out Brent Venables. In oh the my gosh! When the play happened, and he just like fell to the ground, like he just crumbled. It, I can't I believe I forgot chuckle. about. It. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't make note of that. That was the funniest thing that happened in that game. <laughs> if like, you haven't he seen hit him it, and he, like he knew it was. He's like, no, and just like felt like Jello. Yeah. It was like, no. <laughs> Honestly, truthfully, there needs to be like a Brent Venables camera that they just have it on him throughout the game. And I want it to be like a side cam, you know, it needs to be one of the 24 cameras or whatever that the super cast that ESPN provides for every Clemson game. Yeah. Just give us a Brent Venables camera. And uh, then other coaches could steal signs like he does against us. So that would not be good, obviously, <laughs> but <laughs> couldn't Anyways. help but chuckle when I saw that. <laughs> yes, it, it was pretty funny. So, okay, listen, Clemson was a better team. They proved it this time and it just, Really, it goes to show that what we and everyone else has been saying for a while, that Clemson wasn't full strength. And we were afraid that we weren't taking Notre Dame as seriously as we needed to because, I truthfully, I thought Notre Dame was a good team. I thought it would be closer. And I still think Notre Dame is a good team who could have easily played Clemson closer if they had started, if they had finished a couple of those drives earlier. But all to say, we're back. And Clemson seems to do this every year. They just get it together right at the right time, and it's going to be fun. I have a lot of confidence going into this playoff as, for Clemson's chance, uh, chances to bring home the natty this year. That's right. Good teams know when to turn it on. Like, mm. regular season does matter. Like, Preach. sure, Notre Dame, you can, you can have that game throughout the season, and you can show, like, it really didn't matter at all. We'll take the ACC championship when it matters most. <laughs> uh, absolutely. No no showing up in our conference and stealing the conference championship to hold it over that, our heads for the rest of the That was so satisfying, because we definitely didn't want Notre Dame fans to have the opportunity to be like, hey, we came in one year and just <laughs> took you over your conference. Like, nope, we don't want to hear that. Would have been the worst. We took care of business. Thank you. Thank you, Clemson, for protecting your fan base. We appreciate that. Okay, let's talk about the real the real issues about everything. Nobody, I mean, we wanted to talk about Clemson because everyone's been talking about the college football playoff, but uh, we need to get we need to get some things off our chest. And we're going to do that through a little game called Clemson in or Clemson out. Trevor, hit that music. Time for Briley and Carter to answer the important questions surrounding the Clemson Tigers in a little game we like to call Clems In or Clems Out. Unfortunately, this week, Becky is not here to ask us the questions, so asking the, asking the questions has fallen to me because... Our other producer, Trevor, 
who you would think would be willing to, I don't know, ask us a couple of questions, is a coward. And he won't, yeah, he won't ask us any questions. All he likes to do is hit the buttons and play the music. So I'm instead going to ask the questions. So here we go. In or out? Did Notre Dame lose <laughs> all of their goodwill after losing to Clemson? How's that for a Becky impression? Was that close enough? That was terrible. That was rough to listen to. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's not do that again. Okay. Well, I've got four more questions to ask, so bear with me. Well, let's just ask it normally then. Okay. Uh, I won't do that again. But uh, the question is, did Notre Dame lose? And by goodwill, we mean everyone had mentioned or had been saying like, okay, listen, Notre Dame has changed the narrative. They can compete with the big, the big boys in college football. And then just like that, I feel like they lost all of that that good momentum, that goodwill that we had to think that Notre Dame could compete with the big boys. And it's sort of unfortunate because I think college football is better. It is so much better when Notre Dame is good. They're one of those brand names that I want to see in the playoff. I want to see them be able to, comp- to compete because, again, it's Notre Dame. They're one of the premier programs in college football. But honestly, after that game, it's tough. I feel like all the progress they that that excuse me that they had made after the Clemson win went out the door, and I'm afraid they're going to get their doors blown off by Alabama. And then again, we're going to have to we're going to have to talk about next year when they're they've only lost one game and they're undefeated. Should they be considered for the playoff? Well, and everyone's going to be like, no, because you see what they what happened last year again, year after year, they just can't compete. And so I'm Clemson. They've lost every all the progress that they made after the Clemson win. I mean, I'll, I'll be Clemson if they get blown out by Alabama. We have. I think this will be a good question to ask uh, the next next time after the playoff. Um, but I think it's safe to say that Alabama most likely will win that game. <laughs> um, but I think yes, Notre Dame is an elite uh, program, but I think they're elite regular season program. I think that's pretty. It's safe to say that that. Notre Dame can compete with anyone during the regular season, and they've shown that in in and out. Especially when they're independent, they go and play. They'll, they'll play anybody. They're willing to play basically anybody, and they can compete. And I can't really think of off the top of my head how many regular season games like Notre Dame has been blown out by somebody. They compete, but they're just. I can't put them in the elite category. Even like you can't win. You're not winning big games. You're not an elite program. Like, it's sort of unfortunate because I don't have anything against Notre Dame, honestly. I no. Kinda, I, I, I mean, again, like I said, I like to see them do well. But it is true. Like, they actually, what's unfortunate for them is that they actually, like, joining the ACC meant that they had a weaker schedule than they were going to have as an independent. And Notre Dame is actually a team that goes out of its way to schedule good opponents. Like, they have USC, Michigan, they were going to play Wisconsin this year. Like Stanford when they're normally good. Yeah, Stanford. Like they actually play good teams. They're, I think they were going to play Clemson this year as well. Already, so they went out of the out of their way to schedule good opponents. And the, yeah, you're right. They usually compete pretty well with them during the regular season, and then they play Alabama or they get to the the playoff against Clemson, and they just can't do it. it it's just unfortunate, yeah. and I'm not sure what the answer is, except that I don't know. They just don't. I don't know if it's the way that they play just doesn't translate into playoff football all that well. I, I can't put my finger on it. I I don't think there's any one exact thing, but like total respect for them for playing and scheduling. I 
you have to give them as the, probably the best program to schedule any game there is. They'll play anybody, so full respect to their program for that. They just can't seem to finish out seasons. Another reason they we shouldn't force them or want them to join the ACC. Like for the, it would be good for everyone in the ACC, but it wouldn't be good for Notre Dame because they just they do a better job of scheduling things. It's better for college football if there are stronger schedules out there. So, okay, I would I think we're both Clemson with that. Okay. I almost said, what's the next question, Becky? So I've got to ask it, though, myself. Next question. In or out, does the committee suck butt? Now that is a good football question right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little Clemson. less, I'm a little less <laughs> reverent than Becky is with these questions. Uh, yes, Clemson, quick answer. Okay, let's go on to the next one. No, I want to sit on this. We need to talk about this because this is mostly what we were talking about <laughs> for a full hour before we pressed record. <laughs> Um, absolutely. They're the worst. And this isn't new. We're obviously not the only people saying this, but what in the world? I mean, I don't understand all of these things and any of these things maybe is the better way to put it because I don't know. I, I just have, I don't even know where to start with this. Let's start with the fact that Ohio state is ranked above Notre Dame in the rankings. I think that's silliness. And I think the only reason that was done was because no one really wants to see a Clemson-Notre Dame rematch in a couple of weeks, which makes sense. But to me, when you look at the resumes, even after the blowout, Notre Dame has a much better resume than Ohio State does. Notre Dame should be three. Ohio State should be four. Actually, I mean, and then that's a whole nother thing. Ohio State shouldn't even be four, especially <laughs> after their weak, weak win over Northwestern, which I know they were missing players all that stuff but still not impressive at all how are they three how could they i just don't understand and then i mean there's just so many things to break down what's your biggest issue with this well honestly i don't have that big of an issue with uh because personally i don't want to see notre dame play clemson again because i just don't think it'll be a game again so i don't have as much of a problem with that um i don't think ohio state should be in the playoff because their resume yes they beat indiana um, but Northwestern isn't a good team. I mean, they're, I'd say they're average. Uh, th there was never once brought up that typically every year is like, well, let's look at the conference and see how good they are. Like the Big Ten sucks this year. They are terrible. They have Indiana and Ohio State. There is no one else. Northwestern would probably be an average like SEC team, maybe this year, maybe. Like their conference stinks. I... <sighs> I don't want to see them in it because I don't think it's fair because they've only played six games. They have such a massive advantage of be, having the opportunity to be more healthy, even though they might be at less strength than every other team because of COVID reasons. But they've played way less games. They, I don't even know how to get my anger out. Like I just, they should not be in it. And I don't want to hear that Texas A&M had a weak schedule. They still played AC, uh, an SEC schedule and walked through it rather easily. Texas A&M should be in the playoff. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Ohio State, out of there. I I sort of agree. And I mean, Cincinnati, anyone? Well, well excuse me. They should be taking the high road right now. They shouldn't be complaining about it. Oh, and, my uh, goodness. Do you, you want to go ahead and, and tear into Kirk for us? He said yes, that, he said that during the uh, selection show that the group of five teams should be taking the high road. Um, because, you know, what was it, recruiting or whatever? Well, you know, it's like, first of all, 
let's just talk about like the money grab here of having a four hour TV show about selection show. Like how much more desperate can you get for money? That definitely did not watch very much of it. I was in and out every once in a while. And this is where I happened to hear Kirk Herbstreit talk. And I love the guy, I do. Um, but he was talking about how like these programs and these coaches need to take the high ground and just kind of keep their mouth shut and just go along with it. And I'm like, who in the world do you think you are? Like, who cares about taking the high road at this point? Like, I'm all for that a lot of the time, honestly. But something needs to happen here. Like, there's no high road here. Like, the NCAA needs to have something done to them. Like, this is ridiculous. This committee is a complete joke. I am losing a decent amount of interest in college football in general because of all this happening. And it... I hate to see it because I love college football, but if it's going to keep going this way, then I'm going to just keep watching less and less, and I'm only going to watch Clemson play football. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid you were not you were weren't going to watch any more Clemson games from the sound of it. But yeah, but I'll I watch mean, Clemson games, but all these other games I have no interest in because yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. And listen, there's like too much to unpack here. Honestly, this we already we talked could do a about whole other episode of just yeah. playoff talk. We already talked about this for like an hour on you know last Monday, and uh, I think this will probably be one of our topics we can address in the summer how to make everything better. But yeah, there's a lot of there, the two things for me that I don't understand, and it really is less of who's in the playoff right now. Because even with Ohio State, I have a little bit more uh, generosity towards the decision that was made because it's been a weird year. And sure, Ohio State only played six games. And as unfair as I think that is, that they've made the playoff, I think Ohio State is probably still one of the best four teams. And so the reason they played six games was really because of COVID. And like, you can't change that. So, but to me... But real fast though, you saying that though, like... It's going to be unfair to somebody. So then why you make it unfair for the teams that have played more games? You're right. For you're the right. Team that has played less. Yes. And Is there any reason for that? Yes. Other again, that I'm not trying to make excuse team? for it. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying I understand it a little bit more and I have a little bit more forgiveness for that than I do for the fact that a three loss Florida team, a three loss Iowa State team and a three loss North Carolina team are going to be playing in a New York New Year Six Bowl instead of an 11 and 0 Coastal Carolina team. That is bonkers. And the fact that Indiana didn't make it uh who lost one game so if Ohio State their premier win is against an Indiana team, well like this is where the hypocrisy is. Why didn't Indiana make a New Year's Six Bowl? Then, like, <laughs> you know, if they're such a great win, they should be playing in one of these bowls. And so, it's just unfortunate that like a four and two Oregon team is going to be making the Fiesta Bowl. A and team that, who didn't even win their division. And again, this is a COVID <laughs> thing. This isn't a committee <laughs> thing. Like they received an automatic bid, but a team that didn't even win their division was a replacement for a team who couldn't compete because of COVID and beat USC, an undefeated team, is going to be playing in the Fiesta Bowl. Like, what the heck? It's it's ridiculous. And so I don't, it's just a, a crazy year. Again, we'll talk about it some other time. But to me, the biggest issue that college football has right now is it's a parity issue. It's a competitive level issue of I listen as a Clemson fan. I'm all for the fact that Clemson has made almost every college football playoff. But I'm really tired of seeing the same teams in the college football playoff year after year. And I'm not sure there's any way to fix it 
I, I'm not sure what the way to fix it is, except to expand the expand the playoff to include more teams. But really, we just need teams to step up and be better. Like there's a lot of teams that are like premier and blue blood programs that are just down. Florida State should be competing in the ACC. Miami should be competing in the ACC. Um, Florida should be beating Alabama every now and then. LSU should be beating Alabama every now and then making it to the playoff. That's really where the, to me, we wouldn't be having as much of an issue if there were like a couple of different teams every year that were making the playoff instead of Oklahoma, Clemson, uh, Alabama, and Ohio State every year. It's, it's, it's getting repetitive and annoying. And that's to me sort of the bigger issue I'm sorry, that's not even the biggest issue. The biggest issue is the integrity of the system in general, where the Big Ten, you should be ashamed of yourselves. The way that you've handled yourself <laughs> and the fact that today it came out that they're they're t- changing the rule for Once again. Ohio State because Ohio State is missing several players. They were missing a bunch of players because of COVID. And now, you know, normally, according to the Big Ten rules, they would have had to have missed at least 21 days and now they're changing it to 17 days so that they can compete against clemson okay so we really care about player safety until it means that they can't compete in the playoff like that's hypocrisy at its finest money 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 absolutely that's all i have to say with that all it's done and that this is where the excuse comes in where i can understand that this is an unusual season You want to change the rules, Big Ten, because you want your team to do better. I understand that, okay? But it just further illustrates the point that everyone is looking out for his own interest. We're not doing what's best for college football as a whole. We're just doing what's best for our people instead. And no one's working together. I think... COVID obviously is a terrible situation, but it honestly could have been a positive for college football. And they totally missed the mark where they could have been creative and try something new but in fact they kept doing what they're kept doing what they have been doing this whole time and through COVID and all of that they have been exposed even more to what they've been doing and now college football looks even worse after a weird year because of what's happening right now the committee's naked butt has been exposed and oh my goodness it's disgusting it's disgusting okay we've spent too much time on that already so uh, there's too many questions to ask. Let's uh, do this one. Next question. In or out, did Trevor Lawrence play himself back into the Heisman conversation? <laughs> Didn't we answer this last week? I know, but <laughs> people have think that he has, okay? And I'm going to be clumps out, by the way, on this. as And it's tough because Trevor Lawrence ultimately saved this season, by the way. So if we're talking about a guy who deserves it from off from off the field, who has displayed all the qualities that you want to see in a Heisman winner, Trevor Lawrence should win it. And I think he should be celebrated for that. But unfortunately, he missed a few games and part of it was Florida State chicken down on us. So we didn't get to play that game as well. But his on field performances just are not as impressive as other players. And honestly, I blame like Dabo Sweeney for that. Like, I'm not I'm not sure anyone deserves blame for it, but it's just the fact that he just hasn't played as much as these other guys. And honestly, when you watched Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, by the way, <laughs> like those guys are have had ridiculous seasons. And I think each of them deserves to win the Heisman above Trevor Lawrence at this point. Same with Kyle Trask. 
And so, again, this is not a popular thing to be saying on a Clemson podcast. I think Trevor Lawrence deserves a lot of accolades, and it's unfortunate that he's gone through his college career without winning the Heisman. But even with an amazing performance in this against Notre Dame, I still don't think that he's really played himself back into the conversation. No, I, I don't think so either. I did I did appreciate, and I think Dabla Sweeney pulled one of our moves in his in the post game uh, interview where he said it was basically just saying like, "Hey, if you don't choose uh, Trevor Lawrence for the Heisman, like you should be ashamed of yourself." And I, he I sounded he just like pulled you. one of our cards. It, honestly, if I was up there, that's probably what I've been what I, what I would have said. Um, but no, Trevor Lawrence. It was a great game that he had, but you you made it all the great points that his season just didn't show the stats wise. Um, and honestly, watching that Florida Alabama game, like I'd be perfectly fine with any one of those four players that you mentioned winning it ahead of Trevor Lawrence. There, there's just players that had better seasons this year. Trevor Lawrence is obviously the best player in college football, but he did not have the best season, and that's what that's how we see this award as like. If it goes by stats in the season, not by best player in our books. So I'm Clips out. Okay, we agree on it. All right, let's go to our final question. Next question. In or out, good move for Tony Elliott to go to Auburn. Okay, so we're asking this question because over the weekend there was a report that came out that said not only is Tony Elliott being considered strongly for the Auburn job, but he has an interview scheduled for the Auburn job. And Tony Elliott actually came out after that report came out and said, listen, I'm, I'm not scheduled to be interviewed. I haven't talked to Auburn at this point, all those things. So he felt strongly enough about it to come out and deny it. And then after the game, you know, he was asked about it. And basically he said like, well, he's keeping his options open. He didn't deny it. Let's put it that way. He didn't rule it out of the possibility. And so would it be a good move for Tony Elliott is the question if he's being strongly considered, and I'm Clemson. One of the reasons is because he is going to be a great head coach, I think. And to give him the resources at a place like Auburn is a great move by Auburn. (laughs) So if you're considering anyone, you should be considering Tony Elliott. But also, I think there's only like a dozen or so schools that actually have year year in and year out a legitimate chance to win the championship. And I think Auburn is one of those brands, one of those schools. And so if you have a chance to go coach at one of those places, you sure as heck is better take it because there's only so many of those jobs out there. And this would be a great move for Tony Elliott. I know he's got a, he would have a tough road being the SEC West, but still, I think if anyone could do it, Tony could. And I'm not saying we want to lose him. Listen, I hope he doesn't go because we'd love love to have him around. But if he were to move, if you know, if we're asking if this is a good would be a good move for Tony Elliott, Clemson, absolutely. Yes, I I think it would. I, I'm also Clemson. It'd be a great move for him personally. I I'm always skeptical on these offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators leaving these elite programs and going off on their own trying to do the same. And typically, I think we can agree that that typically doesn't work out very often. And so I hate to see, I would hate to see him leave uh, Clemson where he's done such a great job and go to Auburn and it not work out. But I can't say that as a reason to not go because like Tony Ellett has the capability of making bringing Auburn back to elite status. Um, I would love to see it. I'd hate to see him go as well. Um, but if it's for a personal move, what's best for him, it would be Clemson. And honestly, we could see 
I would love to see another team be able to compete and take down Alabama. So go for it, Tony Elliott. Agreed. Totally. <laughs> Just agreed. wait a couple of years, maybe. You know, maybe wait for D- DJ to go through. You'd have two good years with him. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We'll see. But no, I think, uh, you know, we, we want the best for him and we want to see him have an opportunity. In fact, there haven't been a, there hasn't been a huge track record of success with Dabo assistance. So we'd like for him, if he does eventually leave, to actually be successful and help to keep the Dabo tree alive. Because right now it's looking pretty dead out there. So um, anyways, <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for Clemson and Clemson out. And it's also going to do it for this week's episode. You're going to be without us for a few weeks, actually, for a week, I should say. This week is Christmas. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. I hope you have a good holiday. We will be back the week after Christmas to help preview the Ohio State game. It's playoff time, baby. As much as we hate the, the way that the playoffs have set up, we're here and it's money time. It's time to win. That's right. And uh, it's going to be fun. We're looking forward to it. Trying to bring home a third natty in, what is it, six years now? I mean, that's not a bad record. We're going to Probably in the next episode, we're going to talk about the ramifications of if Clemson doesn't win this, what does it mean for the program? The chances, obviously, we'll talk about Ohio State. We're just going to have some fun content coming for you the week after Christmas. So be sure to find us then. But until then, be good out there. Good bamboo. Be all in on the best Clemson podcast around by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, it'd be cool if you left us a positive review. 